for the Tom Sumner Program. The Tom Sumner Program is a live variety show with music, comedy and special guest interviews every Monday through Friday. Oh, it's always a pleasure to be with you, Tom. You know that. Yay, Tom! I love it in Flint! You're very astute, Tom. Easy question. I'll debate Andy Dillon on your show. Well, uh, that's a very good question. Uh, Hello, darling. This is Elvira, Mistress of the Dark, with Tom Sumner. I'm all right, Tom. How are you? Hey, lucky day, Mr. Sam. Ciao, Tom. How are you today? That's a good question. <laughs> Hi, this is actor, comedian Jonah Pody, and you're listening to the Tom Snyder, uh, Tom Smothers. Uh, I mean, I'm sorry, what's his name? Oh, Sumner. The Tom Sumner Program. Good morning, Tom. How are you doing? Hey, at least I got the Tom part right. Stay tuned, because it's on now. The Tom Sumner Program. COVID-19 is the biggest health crisis in our lifetime. We're working around the clock with doctors and hospitals to stop it, but we need your help. Even if you don't feel sick, you could be carrying it. And just one person with the virus can infect another 40, who then infect thousands more. So I've issued an executive order requiring everyone to stay home to help limit the spread of the virus. Let's protect the people we love. Stay home and stay safe. Hi, this is Gretchen Whitmer, and you're listening to the Tom Sumner Program.
Flint's own Mark Farner, rock legend. Uh, that was the title track from his uh, CD entitled For the People. Kind of appropriate as we continue to uh, look at candidates in the August primary. We have uh, a couple more. I want to say thanks uh, again to uh, Prosecutor David Layton for participating in today's show. Um, and we have uh, coming up his challenger in the August primary. Um Trishel Young, Flint attorney. Um, also, a little later in the show, in the third half of our three-hour tour, we're going to uh, finish up with the uh, non-incumbent position in the 7th District Circuit Court in Genesee County um, with uh, a candidate named Stephanie Watucky. We had the other two on uh, this past Friday. Anyway, um, Stay tuned. We'll uh, have more right after this. Welcome back, everybody. This is the Tom Sumner Program. As you know, we've been uh, getting a chance to get to know uh, various candidates for uh, offices that are being considered on the ballot in this uh, upcoming August primary. And uh, joining me now by phone is a Democrat who is running for Genesee County Prosecutor. I'm talking about Flint attorney Trishel Young. She joins me by phone. Attorney Young, welcome to the show. Well, good morning, Tom, and thank you for having me. Um, what? Uh, I, I, for some reason, I always get the impression that lawyers, especially with a history of, of being defense attorneys, all want to be judges. What makes somebody want to run for prosecutor? That that's a great question, and the, and so many people have pushed me to run for a judicialship, even for considering a judicial appointment. But Tom, I feel like the prosecutor is actually the person in a position to impact far more of the community, to rehabilitate, if you will the criminal justice system and ensure that there is equality and justice for all, a judge is limited to whoever comes into that courtroom. A prosecutor has impact with everybody that comes into the entire criminal justice system. So they have the ability to impact a much broader audience and make a difference in that field. Well, we've been hearing people talk about, uh, especially in uh, the midst of protests in the wake of the uh, George Floyd killing in Minneapolis and um, and and Breonna Taylor and and others, and we've been hearing this uh, this phrase "defund the police," which means something different, I think, to everybody who hears or uses it. But most people agree that at the very least, it means uh, rediverting resources uh, that that typically go to police departments to redefine their roles so that um, maybe better resources are being expended for things like mental health, drug abuse, homelessness, uh, and those kinds of things that typically police are called out to deal with, and then it ends up uh, with people in the system. Um what do you think when you hear defund the police? And um, is it what happens on the front lines with police or what happens once people are in the system that 
is in the most need of attention? So, first of all, Tom, I'm going to have to object to your question as asked and answered because you asked the question and then you answered it in your question because that's exactly what that means. It doesn't mean eliminating your law enforcement division. It means reprioritizing so that we start to reform police departments so that we incorporate implicit bias training and so that they can recognize when they may be a little bit over aggressive, you know, or not approaching people in the same type of respect that they should be approaching all people in. As it relates to the funding, funding needs to be reallocated, period, so that it is consistent with criminal justice reform. Because right now, when you look at the funding sources, it's all about more police, more police, more police. And that's not helping our situation. Our numbers are going down. They're not going up. Our resources are diminishing. You know, so we've got to learn to do more with less. So we have to refocus. We really don't have an option at this point but to refocus and start to look at the alternative dispositions that you name, because there's so many people in our community that have mental health issues that aren't getting dealt with but may lead them to come into contact with law enforcement and into the criminal justice system. There are people who are doing, you know, who are veterans. I'm a veteran, you know, so I understand PTSD is real. And so when you have people that haven't had an opportunity to get to those underlying issues and all you see is the artificial or superficial surface behavior, but you're not dealing with why they caused it, then obviously our recidivism rate is going to continue to grow, which recidivism is just repeat offenders. So we absolutely have to get to it. And it starts, you know, you ask, do we start on the street or do we start once they're already in the system? And my solution is you have to start both. You have to stop, you know, looking and profiling people because we've got to start enforcing the law across the board. And when we, even when we see a law that's unconstitutional or being used as it's unconstitutional because it's violating people's rights, to be free of unreasonable searches and seizures, you have a duty to advocate even to the legislature, change that law. Or because you know it's unconstitutional, stop enforcing that law. Don't follow a law that violates people's rights. So when you look at that entire ideology, you know, it's all about just refocusing your resources so that you can do more with less. Uh, Trishelle, you used a phrase, and, and I'm anxious to have you zero in on it. You said uh, profiling. When you use the word profiling, how is that different from the phrase we've all become familiar with, racial profiling? So I just didn't say racial profiling, but that's what I meant. You know, so, and I'll give you an example. You know, Genesee County has the highest unemployment rate in the state of Michigan. Genesee County is predominantly African-American. You have the law enforcement officials that will concentrate their efforts in the city of Flint on the north end of the city of Flint. A lot of times the the state police who have now have concurrent jurisdiction, you know, with the, the sheriff and the Flint police are they're patrolling the north end of Flint. And so on the north end where it's very, very poor and, and uninvested areas, you know, you have sidewalks that are either tore up or non-existent. So the police were taking the law of jaywalking and they were stopping young black men who were walking in the street. And, you know, just the encounter for a lot of young black men with police is a scary thought. You know, we don't know 
what they're going to say. We don't know if they're going to accuse you of, you know, fitting the description. You, you just don't know. So a lot of young folks will either run or, you know, they'll instantly have an attitude about why are you stopping me? Why are you questioning me? And the prosecutor just recently decided he wasn't going to enforce that jaywalking law anymore because he realizes it's been used unconstitutionally. So that that is an exact sample of racial profiling because you didn't get that in Grand Blank. You didn't get that in Clio. You didn't get that, you know, in Flint Township even. So that's an example of what I mean when I'm talking about racial profiling because all too often, you know, we're stopped. And if you some of the names you just named, you know, Ahmad Arbery, you know, he's killed because he's jogging through a neighborhood, not at the hands of law enforcement. But, you know, when you look at the, the single cigarette selling, you know, you've heard phrases like walking while black, talking while black. You know, you, that stuff is real to this community because we've seen it happen. So it's a lot of George Floyd's out here. It's just that now the country is, is waking up. And they are agreeing that there is a severe need for criminal justice reform. And we cannot expect an old dog to do new tricks. It's time to put someone in a prosecutor's office that is a progressive 21st century thinker that's going to implement new policies, new practices, and new procedures that will eliminate the racial disparities that exist so you can start to tackle things like mass incarceration. You know, when you have the Genesee County Jail that's overcrowded, 10 out of 12 months, just last year, and this is not a new problem, this has been going on for the past 15 to 20 years, then you need to figure out what the problem is. You know, and for me, we're arresting people that don't belong in jail. If you are not a threat to yourself or someone else, you don't belong in jail. And so that's a problem, and, and the prosecutor can change that. My guest is Flint attorney Trishel Young, who is uh, running uh, for Genesee County prosecutor in the August primary. And we'll have more with attorney Young straight ahead. Everybody's doing a brand new dance now. Hi, this is Mark Farner, and you're listening to the Tom Sumner Program. I'm Julie Lopez with Crime Stoppers. Have you ever wondered what to do if you have information about a crime or the whereabouts of a felony fugitive and you want the police to know but you need to remain anonymous? Well, here's what you can do. You can go to p3tips.com or download the mobile app. You can go to Crime Stoppers of Flint and Genesee County's Facebook page and click on the Leave an Anonymous Tip tab, or you can call 1-800-422-JAIL. All methods are anonymous, and if your help leads to a felony arrest, you may be eligible for a cash reward. Remember, your voice matters. Hi, I'm Dr. Jonay Caldoun. We know that COVID-19 is spreading rapidly across Michigan right now. The most important thing people can do to protect themselves is social distancing. That means unless you are a critical infrastructure worker or going out to get food or medicine for your home, you should be staying at home. Stay home, stay safe, save lives. Most of the music you hear on the Tom Sumner program is provided by local artists. 
Tune in Fridays at 11 for live music and conversation with some of the area's most talented singers, songwriters, and performers. Hi, this is Greg Nagy. Hey, this is Hoppa. Hi, this is Joe Bye from the Blue Lions. Hi, this is Alexander Zonjic. Hi, this is Mark Farner. This is Maurice Davis. Hi, this is Rochelle Ray. Hi there, folks. This is Sweet Willie T. This is Steve from the Nashville office. I'm Gwen Pennyman Hemphill. Tom Sumner Program, celebrating the rich talent pool from Flint, Genesee County, and throughout Michigan. In just a little while, you folks are going to have the pleasure not only hearing the songs of the star of the program and all, but you're also going to have the pleasure of hearing and watching and seeing in person the gentlemen and ladies who have been supplying the fine mu- music behind the curtain this evening. It's a wonderful orchestra. I love to hear them play. But and while you would possibly never even consider counting how many piece- pieces there are in the band, it so happens there are about, I think, 26, 27 members of the orchestra, the stage orchestra here. And the only thing is they used to play in Ho- Hollywood. And when they were there in Hollywood, California, there were a 65-piece o- orchestra. And when they were hired by the Ni- International Hotel to come here and play, they all got on a bu- on the bus... All 65 of them with their instruments and everything and headed out for Las Vegas. The only thing was, when they crossed the Nevada state line, they had fruit inspection, and this is all left. Here are some most happy fellas, the four lads for four. Standing on the corner, watching all the Fords go This is Jill Stein, and you're listening to the Tom Sumner Program. My guest is Flint attorney Trichelle Young, who is uh, running uh, for Genesee County Prosecutor in the August primary, and we'll have more with Attorney Young straight ahead. What kinds of uh, things can a prosecutor do um, other than deciding not to take up a case or not to present a case to to a court? So, Tom, the prosecutor has to work hand-in-hand with law enforcement officials. So they meet on a regular basis, and they determine what their focus is going to be. You know, they go over what evidence they need to prove certain charges. So one of the reasons in the top five in the state of Michigan that people get arrested is driving while license suspended. The prosecutor can step up right now and say, you know what, I am not going to enforce anyone being arrested for driving while license suspended. Take that vehicle, impound that car, because that car is being operated illegally on the street. So take the vehicle, but you do not have to take that person's liberty when they are not a threat to themselves or to anyone else. 
if the prosecutor met with law enforcement and, and pushed that proposition, they would stop arresting people. And that in and of itself would put a dent in our mass incarceration rate. Um, how does how does uh, driving with uh, without a license or with a suspended or, or expired license end up in jail time? Because it's a misdemeanor. It's, it's a it's a actual crime that they can take you to jail and, and impound your vehicle. And it is in the top five reasons that people get arrested in the entire state of Michigan. But isn't and that you can isn't go to jail. it carries up to 90 days in jail. So a judge could literally lock you up for three months just for having a suspended license and operating a motor vehicle. Now, isn't that usually uh, 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 what would the would the word be, Trishel? Um, and an excuse to give law enforcement an opportunity to work around uh, probable cause issues and, and proper search issues by arresting someone for a license infraction or an expired license plate or something uh, you know minor like that, then giving them the opportunity to check for drugs and weapons and things? So it's absolutely been used that way, but... It is a legitimate basis for an arrest. So, you know, I can't say that people who don't have a valid license should not, they haven't violated the law and that there's not a basis for them to be arrested because the law does allow that to happen. But you are correct. Oftentimes they'll use that as a pretext, you know, to look for something else. Because if you, have a, if you don't have a valid license, they can arrest you. If they arrest you and you're driving in that motor vehicle, Guess what they have to do to that vehicle? In order to impound it, they have to inventory it. So now they get to search your entire vehicle so that you don't later make a claim that you had something in there that was never in there to try to get over, you know, and make some a quick buck. But right. but it is a legitimate basis for arrest. And all I'm saying is it doesn't have to be a basis to, to lock people up. You know, when you start impacting people in their pockets, you get their attention. So... If you start taking these vehicles, you don't have to steal people's liberty because to me it's a theft. You know, it's a theft and it's a, a tragedy when you have a young man that had to sit in the Genesee County Jail for almost five years before he got his day in court and was found innocent of all charges. You know, they stole five years of his life. And that's just not justice. It's time for us to have a prosecutor that will implement some real criminal justice and equality for all. And I believe I'm the person to do that. And the, um, what are some some other things? I mean, that's that's a, a great place to start, certainly. But are there other programs that that prosecutors can get involved in that that um, other than than just funneling people through the system and relying on the courts to uh, deal with the situation? So, Tom, that's a great question, and the answer is absolutely yes. So my concept of being a prosecutor is implementing community prosecution. And that is a, a complete opposite prospect of what David Layton is doing now and what he's done for the last 15 years. So community prosecution is meant to improve public safety and enhance the quality of life of all residents, while at the same time trying to solve problems surrounding criminal activity. But it requires a long-term proactive partnership between the prosecutor's office, the law enforcement agencies, 
the public and private organizations. So what it ends up doing is we, we collaborate and we look at the issue so we can start getting more investment into a positive outcome. And when you start to build this type of coalition, it can more effectively prosecute the systemic roots of criminal behavior so that we can start building a safer future and then everybody wins. So, you know, when we say isolated, it's like the prosecutor's office right now has its own little island. And but it impacts every other island in the county. And we need to start bridging all of these gaps and coming together. And we need to implement restorative justice. You know, restorative justice is bringing back balance for the victims, not just about punishment, punishment, punishment. And so that is another innovative approach to criminal prosecution because you start to bring offenders and victims together and you help people to see that there are no victimless crimes. Whether you see a victim or put a face on it or not, somebody is impacted when you commit a crime. Not only that somebody, but that entire community is impacted because now when people want to move into your community, they're looking at the crime rate. They're looking at the property crime versus the violent crime rate. And it literally impacts the entire picture but most people that are committing a crime they're disconnected with it so we need to start connecting the dots on that and implement restorative justice and then you know i could go on but juvenile justice has to change and then i also want to bring in mentorship because i want to take law enforcement officials attorneys judges and you know go into the elementary schools and start mentoring kids at that level so that the first interaction they have with a lawyer, with a judge, with a police officer, is a positive one. And then that allows the law enforcement to see these kids are smart. They're, they're bright. They have big futures ahead of them. So maybe they'll be a little less likely to approach them in an aggressive or disrespectful manner or, you know, pull the trigger. So, you know, we have to start doing things differently if we want different results. And a prosecutor is the key person to make it all happen. Genesee County is um, in the process and has been for some years uh, recently of developing specialty courts for for juveniles, for drugs, for uh, veterans. Um, is it within the, the prosecutor's purview to steer uh, people that have been arrested um, for various things, from vagrancy to, to who knows what, but to steer them to the appropriate court? Absolutely. Absolutely. The prosecutor, Tom, is the gatekeeper of justice. All of those alternative dispositions for the juveniles, for the uh, drug court, we have mental health court, veterans court, you know, all of those things, the prosecutor is the gatekeeper. The prosecutor is the one who will determine whether a person who is eligible for those alternative dispositions gains access to them. The prosecutor can say, you know what, I don't like the crime that he committed, even though I know he's a veteran and he's suffering from PTSD. Therefore, I'm not going to allow that particular person to enter into drug court to benefit from this system that's literally set up for people like that. So the prosecutor is that gatekeeper. And it's too many restrictions and limitations on people who are not getting the help that they need. And, you know, that's why you have in the Genesee County Jail 80% of the people who have an opioid problem. But, you know, we, we've got to, again, when we start to implement that community prosecution concept, 
we won't have the full burden of all of these people and trying to steer them through limited resources in the criminal justice system. We can co- collaborate with our community partners and say, hey, this person needs some PTSD counseling or this person needs some drug rehab. You know, and so we've got to start taking the burden completely off of the criminal justice system and understanding that together we are better and we have to all invest in solutions that benefit the entire community. Those programs are great, but not enough people have access to them. And it's because of the prosecutor's restrictions and limitations, but it also could be because of, you know, limited resources. They can probably only help so many people, which is another reason why we have to collaborate with outside public and private organizations. Are prosecutors more flexible than judges with regard to uh, mandatory sentencing and uh, precedent? So (laughs) prosecutors are the only ones that are flexible as it relates to that, because (laughs) when they charge a certain crime, it takes it out of the judge's hands. When the judge has no discretion, and I'll give you an example, we have a a high incidence rate of people carrying a, a concealed weapon, you know, in Genesee County because they don't have a license. Now, Michigan is an open carry state, but you cannot conceal it, you know, either in a vehicle or on your person unless you have a CPL. So oftentimes people are arrested and they have a gun and they don't have that license. Well, a lot of times, almost automatically in this prosecutor's office, he will tack on a charge that's called felony firearm. Felony firearm is a mandatory two-year prison sentence that's consecutive. So a judge that is dealing with that charge has no discretion. That person is going to jail. I'm sorry, prison. They're going to prison for two years. And that's if they have another charge that they get sentenced on, they're going to serve that two years before they even start a day on serving the rest of those charges. So that judge had no discretion, but that prosecutor has all the discretion. And he also has a practice of once he charges felony firearms, He doesn't like to make it part of the plea bargain process, meaning that that's one of the charges that he's not willing to dismiss. And that's not justice because you're basically saying that you're not willing to consider anything about this case that would make it unreasonable or unfair for this person to not have to go to prison. And, Tom, that's even when you have victims of crime stepping up and saying, hey, hey, you know, I don't want this person to go to prison. The prosecutor has still maintained that, nope, I'm not going to plea bargain on that. This person is going to prison. And that's why, you know, African-Americans make up 14% of the population in Michigan, but we're 54% of the incarcerated population because of things like that. And that has to change. And and what about the population uh, of African-Americans in Genesee County? Is it is it higher than that state number of fourteen percent? No, no, and so city of Flint is fifty four percent minority, but the minority count in the county is not high at all. But the the majority of the incarcerated population in the county is still African American. I can't give you the exact number right now. But yeah, I, I wasn't I wasn't trying to put you on the spot. Okay, no problem, no problem. Um, how much of the uh, of the gig for a prosecutor is um, 
administration and how much of it is actual court time? Well, if you look at the current prosecutor, it's all administration because he doesn't do any court time. So it really kind of lends itself to your leadership style. For me, I believe that every prosecutor needs to be in a courtroom throughout that, that process, throughout that journey, because when you're, when you're only doing administrative functions, you get a little disconnected and out of touch with what's going on in the courtroom. The prosecutor doesn't realize that, you know, when a prosecutor goes in a case and they have 20, 30 cases that have to be heard and you have defense attorneys that's waiting on the prosecutors to get there, you know, sometimes they don't have all the evidence. Most of the time, you know, when we get to court, it gets adjourned or delayed because they don't have all the evidence. They're waiting on the officer in charge to bring some more evidence or to produce something or to pick up a witness or, you know, and, and to, again, that amounts to justice delayed. You know, and so we need to stop charging people when we're not able to prove their case beyond a reasonable doubt, because, you know, that's the standard going in. You know, so a lot of times they're charging people when they can meet the probable cause standard, which is a very, very low level. It simply means a crime probably happened and this person probably is the one that committed it. But that's not your burden of proof when you get to trial. And and they have a, a habit or a practice of charging people at that probable cause standard without having the evidence to prove their guilt beyond a reasonable doubt. And so that's problematic, and that needs to be attacked as well. When um, I, I lost my train of thought there for a second, uh, Trishelle, I, I wanted to ask about the... Um, uh, about prosecutors uh, and uh, oh, I know what it was about uh, the evolving technology in courts, mm-hmm. um, and how does that uh, impact or or what do you think of um, these uh, arraignments uh, by video and the social distancing in court proceedings? Um, to what degree is that impacting justice delayed? So with this pandemic, you know, it's impacted it tremendously because it wasn't just them doing the Zoom hearings. There was no court going on at all. You know, we weren't every every case I had got postponed and delayed and understandably so. But what this has really done is forced the, the court and the prosecutor's office to come up to the 21st century in technology. You know, I think it actually kind of facilitates the process. So now they're transitioning into some impersonal and some still Zoom. But I don't think that that's a bad thing. I think that, you know, technology now is really the wave of the future. And so we, we've got to be more expedient. We've got to, like, like I said earlier, do more with less and do it in a more efficient and effective manner. And so I don't have a problem with Zoom. The hearings, you know, anybody can see them. They can log in to the site and they can watch the, like, as if they were in the courtroom, but they do it from their own home. You know, so it's not that you're missing out on anything, but you're still able to move cases forward. So I actually think we were forced to move in this manner, but I think it's a move in the right direction. Um, have you run for office before? Never. I, I'm I'm just now becoming a glutton for punishment. <laughs> I I'm always tempted to ask people when they decide to run for a public office if uh, 
you know, if if they bumped their head or have gone a little bit crazy. <laughs> how <laughs> how did your friends and family react when you said you were going to run for this? Oh, they were they were excited. They were excited about it because it's time for change, you know. And and we recognize that prior to the George Floyd incident, you know, we we've been working on a campaign for three years now. You know, so this is not anything new. But when we started studying the data, when we started looking at the numbers, because I'm just I'm a data driven type person and I think the numbers don't lie. And so when I started looking at it and then looking how some people were overcharged and some people weren't charged at all, you know, because it's the prosecutor that decides whether or not to investigate and ultimately charge people, including law enforcement officials. You know, and I saw some cases that involved police that were extremely suspect, but yet it was still ruled as a justifiable homicide. So, you know, I, I, I'm not a political type person. You can probably hear that in the way I speak because I'm very direct. I'm, I'm either <laughs> black or white. I, I have a shade of gray, which most politicians have to have because they're trying to please both sides of the field. And, you know, that's just not me. When you know me, when you talk to me, when you see me, when you look at my history, you will know where I stand. I, I don't have to pontificate and throw out a lot of big words. I am black and white. And so I feel like that's how justice should be. Right is right and wrong is wrong. It shouldn't matter who you know. It shouldn't matter how much money you've contributed to my campaign. Justice should not be how much you can afford to have. And so... It's just a need, and the time was now, you know, and, you know, with the waves of protests across the country, they represent a genuine and a legitimate frustration over decades-long failures to reform not only police practices, but police protecting prosecutors, you know, in addition to a broader criminal justice, systemic racism problem that has taken over this country, and Genesee County is not the exception to the rule. We are dealing with those same systemic racial issues that we at least need to identify so we can start to address. So ultimately we can eliminate it and we can make life, the quality of life a lot better for this community, you know, if not for the nation. We can be an example to where people move out of out of bad into good, you know, and become prosperous as a people. Well, as as far as you being uh, black and white and, and saying what's on your mind, I would submit that uh, uh, honesty does serve both Absolutely. sides of the aisle and, and uh, everyone involved and everyone concerned. Uh, Trishel, let me ask you this. Um, if elected, would you be the first African-American and or the first woman ever elected prosecutor in Genesee County? Yes, to both of those. Isn't that something? In twenty twenty. <laughs> well, that's that's why I that's why I wanted to bring it up just in case you didn't. Um, I, you know, I always uh, want to give guests an opportunity because when we talk for a half hour or forty five minutes, we don't really get a chance to get to everything that we could talk about and certainly everything you've considered. But I like to give guests an opportunity to let listeners know where they can find out more about you and about your campaign. Do you have a website? I do. It is youngforprosecutor.com. That's Y-O-U-N-G-F-O-R prosecutor.com. Well, Trishel, thanks for spending this time with me this morning. I, I appreciate it very much, and best of luck to you. Thank you, Tom. Enjoy your morning. All right. Take care. All right. Bye-bye. 
That was uh, Flint attorney Trishel uh, Young. She is a uh, Democrat who is uh, running in the August primary um, against the uh, the incumbent uh, Democrat David Layton, who is uh, currently the Genesee County prosecutor. And um, we'll have more of the Tom Sumner program. <laughs> Darkwing Duck here, and every time I'm in Flint fighting crime, I always stop by the Tom Sumner program. Don't forget, stay dangerous. Darkwing Duck out. The Tom Sumner program plays host to the best political roundtable on radio every Wednesday from 10 a.m. to noon. Armchair Politics features great commentary and analysis about the headlines from local, state, and national politics with an alumni of world-class pundits, plus quotes, tweets, and those weird and wacky stories we call the X-Files. If it's Wednesday, catch Armchair Politics on the Tom Sumner program. Do you have feelings of inadequacy? Do you suffer from shyness? Do you sometimes wish you were more assertive? If you answered yes to any of these questions, ask your doctor or pharmacist about tequila. Tequila is the safe, natural way to feel better and more confident about yourself and your actions. Tequila can help ease you out of your shyness and let you tell the world that you're ready and willing to do just about anything. You'll notice the benefits of tequila almost immediately. And with a regimen of regular 
$10 doses, you can overcome any obstacles that prevent you from living the life you want to live. Shyness and awkwardness will be a thing of the past, and you'll discover many talents you never knew you had. Stop hiding and start living with tequila. Tequila may not be right for everyone. Women who are pregnant or nursing should not use tequila. However, women who wouldn't mind nursing or becoming pregnant are encouraged to try it. Side effects may include dizziness, nausea, vomiting, incarceration, erotic lustfulness, loss of motor control, loss of clothing, loss of money, loss of virginity, delusions of grandeur, table dancing, headache, dehydration, dry mouth, and a desire to sing karaoke and play all night rounds of strip poker, truth or dare, and naked twister. Warning, the consumption of alcohol may make you think you're whispering when you're not. It's a major factor in dancing like a retard. May cause you to tell your friends over and over again that you're in love with them. Also may cause you to think you can sing. Alcohol may lead you to believe that ex-lovers are really dying for you to telephone them at four in the morning. Alcohol may make you think you can logically converse with members of the opposite sex without spitting. It may create the illusion that you are tougher, smarter, faster, and better looking than most people. And it may lead you to think people are laughing with you. Alcohol may cause pregnancy. And it also may be a major factor in getting your ass kicked. So what are you waiting for? Stop hiding and start living with tequila. Those hands, no matter whose they are, can spread the germs of many common diseases. That's why I want you to realize how important it is to keep hands clean, to wash them regularly and always before meals with Life Boy, which not only removes dirt, but helps to remove germs. Teach the children this habit. Form it yourself. Always use Life Boy for hands and face as well as the bath. America, your children have an amazing superpower. That's right. They can help save lives by simply washing their hands. Just 20 seconds of thorough hand washing after they've coughed or sneezed or been outside can help fight against the dastardly spread of germs. Armed with only soap and water and hands, your superhero can protect you, your family, and everyone out there in America land. Amazing! Find out more at coronavirus.gov. A message from the CDC and the Ad Council. The interest of goodwill. The Hoffman Beverage Company feels compelled to make this announcement. It's simply this. All Hoffman flavors have that happy taste, except sarsaparilla. We might as well come right out with it. We haven't quite hit that happy, carefree note in sarsaparilla. Now, please don't misunderstand us. Our Hoffman sarsaparilla is absolutely dependable. It's trustworthy. It's loyal. And many fine, upstanding citizens love it. But it just isn't what we call happy. You take our Hoffman orange, it's absolutely rollicking. Our lemon is almost giggly. Our black cherry and black raspberry are so bubbling with happiness, they dance in the glass. They all have natural flavor and famous Hoffman steady sparkle. We're sorry about Hoffman sarsaparilla. Why isn't it happy? Well, let me ask you, could you be happy if your name This is U.S. Senator Gary Peters, and you're listening to the Tom Sumner Program. And welcome back, everybody. Uh, this is the Tom Sumner Program, and my guest this segment is uh, the uh, current uh, Genesee County prosecutor. He is running for re-election in the August primary, and as we continue to visit with uh, candidates for various races in the August primary, we continue in that spirit now with David Layton. David, welcome uh, back to the show. Hey, good morning, Tom. Good to be with you. Um, David, you've uh, run for re-election a time or two. How uh, how different is it this time around because of COVID-19? It's a lot different. You can't really go out and, you know, press the flesh, as they say. There's no big events that you can attend, that you're invited to. There's no uh, traditional holiday parades around town. I mean, I'm used to being in 
the Burton Parade, the Mount Morris Parade, the uh, July 4th Fenton Parade. None of that stuff is going on because of COVID. So really, you have to do things a little differently. And a lot of that is focused on social media and um, uh, other ways to try to get you know your word out. I'm fortunate in that I'm in office and people know what I do, know what I stand for, see me on the evening news frequently so they know what we're doing. We've made a a great effort over the years to be very transparent. I'm a firm believer in the fact that the public who has given me the privilege to do this job uh, has the every right and should be informed as to what is going on here. And so, you know, I've been very uh, open with the press so that they can inform the public as to uh, what goes on in their prosecutor's office. Has has COVID nineteen made the job different, um, and and also those efforts to communicate different, uh, better, worse, et cetera? Well, well, the biggest difference is that we were tasked with the enforcement of Governor Whitmer's executive order, and I took it on myself personally to do all that work. Uh, you know, when this hit back in early March, I sent my entire staff home. I felt that this was a danger. I did not want them uh, in the courthouse. So we set up a uh, system where they would work from home and it has worked out very well. And even now that we're back open, we're rotating them in so that uh, because we have, you know, these are government issued offices. Everybody's on top of each other when everybody's here. <laughs> right. So what what we have is we have a, uh, a rotation system where some come in and some continue to work from from home. Uh, I, I've been back in full time since Memorial Day, but March, April, May, for the most part, I was operating from home. Thank goodness for laptop, computers, internet, and Zoom, and uh, all those things. Right, but. Bottom line is I did all the EO enforcement myself. I was on the telephone and on the computer every single day with police departments across Genesee County because the governor, and God bless her, she's done a wonderful job of trying to keep the state safe. Uh, We have a hundred and some odd executive orders that we've had to keep up on. They change daily. So I've been in constant contact with the Prosecuting Attorneys Association and the attorney general's office uh, because I wanted to make sure that our folks here in Genesee County were not only in knowledgeable about the EOs, but, in, but, but making sure they were complied with. The EOs were no good if, 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 if folks aren't complying with them. So that, that was the biggest change. And I did most of that work myself uh, because it was, you had to have some point of contact with the with the governor's office and with the AG and with the prosecuting attorneys association, so I uh, chose myself. What? Um, how? How was the job impacted by the closing of courts and and now with the addition of of technology as part of the proceedings? Well, I'll give you an example today. Uh, uh, I have a number of Zoom conferences set up with defense lawyers and with my assistant prosecutors to discuss cases. Prior to COVID, those would take place here in our offices. Um, the courts are operating with many, many uh, Zoom conferences where um, my assistants were at home with a laptop. The defense lawyer was at home with a laptop. 
Uh, they were wiring in from the jail if the individual was incarcerated, but if not, uh, via Zoom, the, the accused, and uh, the judge was on the bench with a Zoom or in their chambers with a Zoom. Uh, so all of that was being done. There weren't, weren't any in-court proceedings, per se. There, there have been no trials, nor will there, there won't be any trials, I suspect, until uh, late July or August, and maybe not even then, because logistically it's going to be very difficult. I mean, Is that creating a backlog? Oh, sure. There's absolutely there's a backlog being created in trials, in preliminary examinations in the district court, where we started doing them again. But think about this. Uh, if you were summoned as a juror, you want to come downtown and be what you think might be in close quarters with other people that you do not know, do not know whether they're symptomatic, asymptomatic, et cetera, et cetera. These are very un- uncertain times. So long story short, yeah, there's a backlog in jury trials. There's a backlog in uh, what we used to call preliminary examinations, which we now call uh, probable cause hearings. Uh, So we're going to have our work cut out for us once we can get back running full steam. You know, since the the killing of uh, George Floyd and the subsequent protests that have arisen, we're hearing the phrase, defund the police. Um, What does that mean? It means something different to everybody who hears it. What does it mean to you when you hear it? What what do you think people should be looking at? Well, I think people are, you know, it means something different to everybody. Everybody would give you a different uh, definition. All I can tell you is what I support, and that is the proper funding of police and the proper usage of those funds in the best interests of the community. I've been a long time supporter of community policing. Community policing, in my judgment, works. That means you get actual police officers in the neighborhoods. They're walking the beat. They're knowing the kids. They're knowing the teenagers. They're knowing the adults. They're knowing the families who live on the blocks that they serve. And I find that once the police officers are are known to the neighborhoods and the officers know the folks who live in the neighborhoods, only good things happen because there's a trust that develops between the police and the neighborhoods. And I think that the statistics have shown crime goes down and follow that with community prosecution where I put an individual prosecutor in each community to attend block club meetings to attend neighborhood associations so that they get to know the individual prosecutor assigned to that particular neighborhood that to me is the proper funding of police uh, and sometimes that requires more funding not less so it depends on the situation in the, the particular community but i've long been a supporter of community policing and i'd love to see it come back and Genesee County has been developing uh, alternative courts for veterans, for drug-related cases. How much flexibility does a prosecutor have in determining uh, how and where charges are, are filed for people that are often rounded up by the police? Well, we have a great discretion in that. In fact, we're the gatekeepers of those what we call problem-solving courts, 
some places they're called treatment courts, some places they're called specialty courts. And I'm proud that Genesee County is one of the leaders in the state in establishing and maintaining treatment courts. Uh, we have upwards of a dozen courts from drug court to veterans court to mental health court to baby court to girls court. Um, we're just launching now a street outreach court for folks who may not have a regular residence and get into some mischief that is, you know, probably not of their own choosing, but because of the lifestyle that's been wrought upon them. Um, so we're the gatekeepers, and I've been supportive of these kinds of courts dating back to their inception under uh, the Snyder administration in Lansing. Uh, my only concern about all of it is that when the funding comes down the pike, the courts get all the funding and the prosecutor gets none. Yeah, we're the gatekeepers. We have to ma make the determination as to who goes into those courts. So I've had some uh, lengthy discussions with Chief Justice Bridget McCormick about funding prosecutors so that we can continue to uh, send personnel to those courts and to all the sessions of those courts. And she's supportive of it. So we're trying to figure out a way to get make that happen. The biggest problem now we're facing, of course, is that Michigan is going to have a very, very difficult budget process this coming year because of the COVID-19. Absolutely. And uh, uh, I don't think it's going to be able to afford any additional funding. So, But that, that that's something that's on our radar. And I'm very proud of how we have uh, been the leaders across the state in treatment courts here. Well, David, we uh, my guest is uh, David Layton, Genesee County prosecutor who's running for re-election in the August primary, and we have to end it here. Of course, you're welcome to, to join me on the show anytime, as always. But I uh, want to make sure, as I do with uh, all the other guests and, and candidates on the show, give you an opportunity to let listeners know where they can find out more about you and about what we've been talking about. And in this time of uh, online campaigning about your campaign, do you have a website? Yeah, I'm sure we do. Um, probably prosecutor Layton. Just you know, look for it. You'll find it. Uh, we have a website. We have a Facebook page. We have we have all that. But most importantly, Tom, I'm pretty accessible. My thanks to both of the candidates for the uh, office of Genesee County Prosecutor this hour, Attorney Trishel. Young, challenging prosecutor David Layton. Hi, I'm Alexander Zanjic. Don't touch that dial. You're listening to Tom Sumner.